Gotham Season 5, Episode 9, The Trial of Jim Gordon. Francesca Root Dodson. I play Echo on Gotham. You're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Hey there. This is Andrew Sellen, Mr. Penn, and the Ventriloquist on Gotham. And this is Scarface. And you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Yeah, yeah. And you better keep listening, you hear? Welcome back, fellow Gothamites. Welcome back, fellow detectives. I am John, one of your hosts, and this is Gotham TV Podcast Episode 139, where we are looking at Gotham Season 5, Episode 9, The Trial of Jim Gordon, and it didn't come a moment too soon. Wow, did he (laughs) need to be on trial? Maybe even guillotined, dare I say. Wow. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But yes, welcome, fellow Gothamites. And I'm your other host, Derek. Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, people. Uh, this episode has some great <laughs> stuff in it. I'm going to be referencing moments of the episode, obviously, for the rest of time, I think. <laughs> some really, really fun moments in here. Um, if you want to subscribe to our podcast, fellow Gothamites, go over to the website at gothamtvpodcast.com. You can see all of our podcasts, all of our interviews that we've done over the course of the last couple of seasons, all of our reviews of the individual episodes as well. And you can keep in contact with us about your thoughts about the episodes as we go along as well. Yes, absolutely. Please subscribe to us, rate us, leave a review because sharing the podcast is helping to share the love of Gotham and Gotham TV podcast. Mm -hmm. I think with that, onto our spoiler-filled review. Yes, let's get into some of the details for the episode. Uh, This episode, as you may know, was directed by Erin Richards, the wonderful Erin Richards. This is the first episode of Gotham that she's actually directed. The last episode produced, as uh, as you may be aware of, um, Gotham got extended from 10 episodes to 12 episodes. And with this 12th episode, it was done after all the other ones were done and then slotted back in here in the ninth position so basically we're not sure exactly what what coming out of this episode will be brought into the future episodes of the show but it does feel a bit standalone and does feel like it's calling back to a lot of things that happened over the years part of that is because it was written by ben mckenzie who's written a number of episodes on the show and directed a few as well but because he's also looking back on his life in the show and because he's looking at all the things that have led to this point in Gotham, he seems to be doing a nice reminiscing moment, I suppose, for this episode. Yeah, it's almost biographical or something like that about um, other people's time on the show and semi-autobiographical for for himself, I suppose, in Mm -hmm. that sense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly with the trial of Jim Gordon where his life is literally flashing before his eyes Mm. and he sees how much harm he has brought through the decisions and and choices that he has made (laughs) um, to the point where, um, you know, he is in a chair ready to be fried Mm -hmm. um, with the little kid from Haven, who came there for sanctuary and ultimately was shot off into outer space oh, no. from the explosion. <laughs> Poor so, Will Thomas. Yes, exactly. Poor Will Thomas. But, yeah, it's great to see Erin Richards uh, directing here. Yeah, sure. yeah, she has directed before. She uh, wrote and directed her own short film uh, back in 2017 called Hot Girl. Uh, you can go to the uh, the website for that, which is hotgirlthemovie.com. It's about a 16-minute short. It's a movie about a struggling actress who's finding difficulty getting work because everybody's just treating her like the hot girl and not the actress that she is. So uh, really interested to see that one. And really great that they've given this final episode to Erin Richards. Uh, we understand because she has shared a video and Andrew Sellen shared a video 
Emilio and Robert Lord Taylor all shared videos of this final moment of this episode where everybody's watching the wedding of Jim and Lee Tompkins uh, in the GCPD. That was the final shot ever put on film, effectively, in the GCPD and for the TV show Gotham. So it was a big emotional moment for everybody and to have it directed by Aaron Richards is a really interesting choice. I think that's quite cool. But... As you can probably tell, I may start gushing with tears as we get into this episode at the final moments of Gotham. So, John, I'm going to let you take it over. Do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. Attempting to establish a ceasefire as supplies in Gotham have become critical, Jim Gordon is shot. Rushed to the GCPD, Lee Tompkins operates on him to stem his blood loss. But Jim passes out and begins to hallucinate. His dreamlike state soon turns into a nightmare, as Jim Gordon's life, decisions and failures are put on trial, all while he bleeds out. Harvey Bullock discovers that a lovesick Victor Zaz was the perpetrator who shot Jim Gordon while under Poison Ivy's influence. Ivy's roots, however, extend beyond killing Jim, as she also places her spell on Bruce and Lucius to target the drinking water supplies, all in an attempt to prevent the reunification with the mainland and to rebuild Gotham with her plants. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, as Barbara and Penguin consider their next moves, Lee has a life-changing moment as she saves Jim from another attempt on his life by Ivy. As Jim awakes from his hallucination and recovers from his wounds, he makes the decision to live for Lee and his unborn child. After one month passes, Jim and Lee Tompkins are married by Bullock in the GCPD precinct, and everyone lives happily ever after. But this is Gotham, and as the two lovebirds wed, Barbara secretly makes an important decision about her child. Dun dun dun! Of course it's Gotham, we can't have a totally happy ending for everybody, can we? Especially with three more episodes to go. And there was a little pointer from uh, from a couple of people online that because we have this big happy moment with Jim and Lee Tompkins and we still have three episodes left... How long can the happiness truly last in Gotham, really? Yeah, I would say Lee is probably dead as a dodo. Well, we'll see. Don't spoil anything. We don't know what happens in the future, but we'll see if something really bad comes to threaten Lee Tompkins, at least for these last three episodes. It wouldn't really surprise me at all. Absolutely. I mean, it's just theorizing, but yes, happy ever after moments, uh, as we will discover uh, through our case notes, very rarely happen in Gotham, certainly in its current state. But on to case note number one. Yes. A truly Gotham ceasefire. Mm-hmm. Yes, a ceasefire because uh, it's broken by a gunshot, <laughs> of course. Uh, I do really like this, this whole concept at the beginning of the episode. We have Jim and Lee having the conversation as Jim brings all of the GCPD with all the bullets they have left to go off and call all of the gangs together to broker some kind of ceasefire because the supplies of drinking water are critical in Gotham. I find this really interesting because... It is what you always say about Jim Gordon, that he has this kind of complex, this hero complex. He wants to save everything, yet <laughs> puts everybody in danger. And it's the same conversation that Lee's having with him. She's saying to him, you know, Lucius is working on the drinking water at the moment. He seems to have it solved. He'll have all the drinking water that we need within the next couple of weeks. You don't need to do this, Jim. And Jim goes, yes, I do. We'll run out of water in three months. But Lee's telling him there is a way out of this. But he still feels like he needs to do something. He needs to get up out of his chair and go out and actually go eye to eye with loads of gangs well it's that moment where you just want lee to grab him by the scruff of the neck mm -hmm. and to slap him around the face just to awaken him from his own delusional state of he is the only person that can save gotham yeah um and it it's really interesting that they do this and ultimately you know 
his blustering, his his insistence, I suppose, that he must go to um, have a ceasefire amongst the gangs. Uh, you know, it's in City Hall. It's at Penguin's base mm. at that most auspicious of occasion. And then, you know, you, the bang rings out. Yeah. as Jim is shot. But I the do big think, question. But I do think it works. I think the I do think the conversation with Leslie works. Though definitely, he does start to question it, but already has this plan in place that he's got to go and meet the gangs. You see it in his eyes where he's going. Maybe you have a point, actually, but I have to go because this meeting's at three o'clock and it's ten to three kind of thing, you know. Absolutely. Seems like he's really got it that he has to go right now, but they'll come back and talk about it later, which is what sets up the whole episode, really. Yeah, and I mean, it does really feed into the the trial of Jim Gordon as he is passed out on the uh, morgue table in mm-hmm. the GCPD, hallucinating yeah. and, and being unconscious. It, it really is the setup for that because... Most of his failures, but also his decisions and choices, have been to be that hero, yeah. To that he is the only one that can do it. It's not other people. So it, it really does set that up, and yeah. it very much is one of the traits of, of Jim Gordon here. I think... What's really good here, though, is that, you know, it is to accelerate the reunification of Gotham, you know, Mm -hmm. in in terms of the clean water supply, that is treating the river water so that the the chemicals are no longer present there, but to provide drinking water. And this ceasefire is to show the outside world that peace has returned to Gotham, Mm -hmm. that it is not in a chaotic, uh, violent state. And I think this is another really nice sort of uh, flip side to the other parts of this episode with Ivy uh, Pepper as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One thing about the flashback at the beginning of the episode where you see a a moment where they're talking about Haven, I suppose. Uh, You see Jim standing in front of the building as it's exploding and and taken down. I have to say that's edited really well to make it look like it's Jim's fault (laughs) when actually it's not at all. It's the rocket that's come across the, come across the way from a, uh, from Riddler who's been uh, taken control of by Bane and the, uh, I guess the senator that we don't know anything about yet. We'll know more in the next couple of episodes, but it's not Jim's fault. They blame Jim. Again, they say you brought all these people and made the city look safer than we wanted to look. So we're going to, blow up haven you know so uh, so he does seem to blame himself a lot for a lot of things that happen even the successes that he's had he blames them on uh, the bad things that happened afterwards but that's just everybody else treating jim pretty badly yeah it is a great bit of editing where um will thomas is saying how he's come to haven to be safe and secure mm-hmm. and thank you jim and then the next moment haven is you know, consumed in an explosion and a fireball. Mm-hmm. It's I as though um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it well, but it is one of those things where it looks like um, Jim left the gas hob on, um, <laughs> cooking sort of a, a cooked breakfast after getting in a little bit drunk, and someone um, had a fag. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but ultimately, here Jim is shot, and the big question is by who? Mm-hmm. You know, can um, we quickly talk about the actual uh, meeting with all the gangs as well? Now, obviously, we don't get all the leaders of the gangs because you know they're all on, they're all guest stars, so you can't bring them all back in there. But there's some really cool moments in here where we have the uh, Scarecrow's gang, we have yeah. their outfits, which we've only seen once, I think, but back in episode one, actually, I think, of the season, uh, where we saw all the gang that were surrounding him. We see the mutants in there, we see their their outfits, and we see a few other gangs as well. I like having all of them in the same room together, you know. Like you'd never have in Gotham. They're all challenging each other. The opening moment of it is the guy walking in, turning on a chainsaw and walking up the up the corridor of the center of the city hall. You know, I think that's really interesting to have uh, these people all in the one room together. Yeah, it's all those touch points of the various gangs we've met in this season mm-hmm. in the chaotic. Uh, 
you know, cut off Gotham. Yeah. yeah, definitely really, really good. I really like the fact that uh, Penguin and Babs are looking on from high, discussing kind of Jim, but also Penguin being a little baiting with, oh, with yeah. Babs on her pregnancy and who uh, the the father of the unborn child is. It's, it's really nice. And again, it's that tension between Babs and Penguin. I think it, it is really good. But yeah. yes, um, you know, in an attempt to bring about a ceasefire, it is the firing of a gun that breaks that, what, five-second ceasefire that's just <laughs> happened in Gotham. Um, and Jim is shot and yeah. wounded and bleeding out. And the question is, by who? And I think in that immediate moment, he's rushed to the GCPD mm-hmm. for Lee uh, to uh, save him with her skills, which I find was a really funny part of here because she goes, I haven't done this since general practice. Yeah. Um, doing surgery and i'm like but you were doing all the doctoring at the uh the fight ring and while she was the queen of the narrows yeah. she was known to be the, the general practitioner giving out the medicines diagnosing uh, and patching people up and um, so it seemed like a weird line from her i wonder yeah. if it was something to do with a gunshot wound that that's what she was trying to say she hadn't removed a bullet from somebody's body Maybe, but that's only me giving the show a little bit more credit than than I, than I think. It felt like a weird line from her because she has been known as the Doctor for so many years. And we know from comic book Lee Tompkins, this character is very different from the comic book Lee Tompkins, but comic book Lee Thompson, Tompkins is the one that always takes care of Batman when he has injuries and wounds. So that version of the character would definitely be taking care of bullet wounds um, for, for Bruce uh, in the future. So... Uh, it felt like an odd line, definitely. Um, but we do have Bullock investigating the murder of Jim Gordon. I love how much Harvey Bullock has been given these last two definitely, episodes. Definitely, yeah. We've heard before from Ben McKenzie when he, when he writes the shows, he finds the most easy person to write for is Donald Loeb because he feels like his acting allows him to do lots of serious stuff and comedy moments, and he gets both in this episode. Um, we have this moment here where he returns to Penguin's house and just instantly goes in and punches Penguin to the floor. That's not generally the way people have dealt with Oswald Colopod over the last five seasons. It really feels like this is Bullock back going, I'm going to take care of the person who took out my partner. Yeah, definitely. blames both Barbara and uh, and Oswald here. And I think there is a real reaction to this, this version of Harvey. You know, Barbara instantly is a little bit scared of him, thinks he's a little bit volatile. And he says, it's the people in this room that have caused it. And I think he's including himself in that by allowing himself to go along with Jim and bringing Jim into this or allowing Jim to go into this situation He's gotten shot. That's why Harvey's going into this whole investigation and making sure he's the one that's going to solve it. Yeah, it's a really nice moment for Harvey Bullock. And of course, it's also, it's throwing that red herring um, of who actually is behind it. Mm -hmm. Harvey here thinking that the reason why the venue of City Hall, Penguin's base, was used and and offered by Penguin and Babs was for them to uh, do an underhand trick to take him out. That's immediately what you see here. But it is that red herring because um, it's it's seen that the bullet comes from outside. There's a really nice moment where he actually does some detective work. Mm -hmm. Uh, It feels really Gotham Central here or CSI Miami or CSI uh, Gotham, shall we say. Absolutely. I was Um, definitely thinking of the Arkham Asylum games. There's a a motion and even in the the Batman VR game, there is this thing that you can do where you can find the trajectory of a bullet 
from its location where the shock took place, or you can find the fragments of the bullet and re-piece the bullet together. I think we even saw that in one of the Dark Knight movies, uh, one of the Christopher Nolan movies, where he re-pieces a bullet together to find individual markings. Here what we find is when he puts the bullet together, it has the Z on it or the VZ on it uh, of Victor's ass, as we saw earlier on in the season. So uh, nice little touchback and really cool to see Harvey doing the Batman detective work. But while Bullock is working out this bullet and and doing his trajectory analysis while he's there, he does have that moment with Barbara where he's saying to her, this is the father of your child. Um, And she's saying to him, I wouldn't possibly have arranged his, his murder. He's really important to me. And Bullock is telling her, well, the best thing you can do then is keep maintain the ceasefire. So she does, in the only way Barbara knows how, get everybody over, serve them a couple of drinks, poison the drinks, yeah. and say to them, if you don't hold the ceasefire for at least 24 hours, you're not getting the antidote. Great little moment. Feels really Batman 66. Really, idea. yeah, really good. And I must say, I never thought we would say trajectory analysis on the podcast. Good, so there huh? you go. Another... I didn't even stumble over it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, another first for Gotham TV podcast. So, uh, yes, on to case note number two yes. with that. Uh, the hallucinations and bleeding Jim's trial. Mm. Uh, really good here. Um, Jim finally gets his trial that he uh, deserves, uh, yes. I think, for all the failures and disasters that have accompanied him um, as uh, a rising star in the GCPD. I know you've wanted this for so long, <laughs> but there's only just a couple of little complaints I have about this. And mostly it's because I know it was written in a short period of time, it's written over about two weeks, uh, and then produced uh, towards the end of the production run. Um, a couple of little things I, I wish they'd been able to do and get and get there. We had a judge that was mentioned all the way throughout season uh, one, two, three, and four of Gotham, Judge Bam Bam. He's the one that they always got the, uh, what was it, the blank um, documents to allow them to just write in anybody's name and break yeah, the, into their the, the arrest warrants. Uh, the arrest warrants, yeah. that's it. And just uh, and do that. So they mentioned this character of Judge Bam Bam over and over again. I wish they had just called this judge on that, that is prosecuting Jim. I wish they called him Judge Bam Bam, just to give that mention in the fifth season to this, to this character and kind of tie things up a little bit as to why this particular person would be presiding over the case. It would have been really good, wouldn't it? I think it would have been a nice little nod back. I mean, for me, even if it had been um, the executioner and Michael Chiklis mm-hmm. being asked to come back, and again, it's probably just down to scheduling and uh, it's not possible, but it would have just been nice to have seen him in this crazy world of cut-off Gotham. You have the most crazy uh, person to preside over the judging uh, and trial of Jim Gordon yeah. in his mind, which is um, the executioner, yeah. you know, judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> it would have been really good fun, I think. Yeah, and also, you know, that is someone that is related in, in the history to someone that has gone through the experiences Jim went through and ended off going crazy from them. So would have been nice Definitely. to see that called out there. Also, of course, and we know there's loads of Gothamites out there that would be really interested in seeing this. I absolutely thought when the judge calls out it's time for the prosecution to enter, I totally thought that was going to be Nicholas D'Agosto who played Harvey Dent back in season one and season two. And I think he had one episode in season three. Don't quote me on that one. That might be season two and a half, 2.5. Uh, it might have had an episode in there. But I'd love to see Nicholas D'Agosto come back just for one episode, just for this moment here to be the judge. Of course, it's taking place in Jim's head. So it makes sense that Jim would also be the one prosecuting and defending himself. Makes lots of sense, of course. But I think it would have been cool to have the personification of those characters in there. Absolutely. I think it would have been a nice little touch, but certainly, as you say, given the time, 
given scheduling, it mm-hmm. was probably unlikely that this happened. But instead, we have Jim's subconscious uh, trying to decide whether the people of Gotham would be better off without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, what his decisions have led to uh, that have made people and young children like Will Thomas looking for sanctuary uh, <laughs> in Haven, how they have ultimately been failed Um what is it from another DC? Uh, you have failed this city, yes. Jim Gordon, potentially. <laughs> or has he? That is the thing. Sterling City has possibly failed there, so don't go to Sterling City, Jim. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think the whole purpose of the entire show is why is there a need for Batman? And the need for Batman is because Jim can't save everybody. He's making the right decisions. He's making similar decisions to the decisions that Batman would or any good man of Gotham would but unfortunately, there are so many people attacking. There are so many people on the attack that even when he makes the right decision and saves tons of people, there's someone in the background that thinks that's the wrong thing to do and kills them all. You know, that's what we're seeing here. But it is a legitimate question. And I know it's one that many people have questioned over the years is why does Jim have this complex? Why does Jim feel he can be the only one saving? I love the joke um, about the GCPD, really, which is. Oh no, guys, you just sit at your desks and do the paperwork. Myself and Harvey will go out and solve every single case in the city. You know? <laughs> um, I, I do love that joke, and I know that that's playing into Ben McKenzie's script here, is, is having a bit of fun with the idea that he has this hero complex and has to save everybody, yet everybody dies because, hey, it's Gotham. Yeah, I mean... But I, nobody I, does in Gotham, of course. <laughs> but that's it. I, I think it's a really nice touch point here because it is that whole point that, you know... Jim Gordon, the character, is burdened by the amount of responsibility mm-hmm. that he feels is his and his alone. Yeah. Uh, and you see that even with the Batman there, that that responsibility still hangs heavy uh, on his shoulders. And yeah. so you, this is a really nice touch, I think. And I, I think it's really good to see, you know, different versions of like Leslie Tompkins testifying mm-hmm. against him, you know, where she seems like she's about to support him and tell him that he's okay and then immediately rips um, that from under his feet. And also the burnt residents of Haven, uh, including Will Thomas, you know, still flaming. Um, Great makeup job. From, yeah, from really nicely done. Uh, yeah. And it all sort of leads to the judgment that he is guilty. Do you remember um, that moment that really I thought nice. that Will Thomas was going to be maybe Robin coming up in the future or that he was the bad guy that had set the bomb in the place and he was no. getting out and we were going to see him in the future? No. This is not how I expected Will Thomas to come back. No. <laughs> At all. Uh, no, but no. Really cool. Great and, theories. Great theories, Derek. Hey, look. But I'll um, each one of them uh, sort of drowned before they started, really. <laughs> We've had like 400 episodes of our podcasts <laughs> over the years. I don't think I've ever got a theory right, unfortunately. Um, but we do get some great moments in here. We have uh, Jim, as you say, failing and, and being found guilty. Uh, so while he's waiting in the uh, prison in the GCPD, in his mind, in his mind prison, um, he sees the wake attended by so many villains. What a great choice here. It really does feel like Ben McKenzie was writing his script while walking around through the costume department when they were when they were getting rid of some of the costumes at the end of filming. So he's able to pick out things like, well, you don't actually need to bring back the actor who played the Scarecrow to have Scarecrow on screen because we have the mask. So we see Scarecrow in there. We see Professor Pig. We see uh, the Court of Owls mask on somebody that looks similar to Leslie, the member of the Court of Owls that he had beaten in the past. We see loads of people in their uh, Arkham Asylum uh, costumes as well, uh, all in this... Uh, wake where everybody's celebrating including Riddler and Penguin with Riddler on the piano and Penguin singing for he's a jolly good fellow with all of the other villains of Gotham who are I guess now free if Jim dies right yeah I mean it's a really good moment to be honest and I think uh, 
you know, it leads nicely to the electric chair where Lee is walking towards him mm. with uh, the baby. Um, but then really kind of shocking moment where the baby is just kind of dropped, sort of rolled out from the swaddling clothes onto the floor, just as then uh, young Will Thomas gets his kind of revenge to an extent and flicks <laughs> the switch for the electric chair to uh, fry uh, Jim Gordon. But I love the kind of... It was just this intense build-up to mm-hmm. uh, Jim being electrocuted in the electric chair with this baby being tossed in front of him after sort of she no longer wants anything to do with him. Yeah, I think she asked the question of him, you know, can you change for your child? And he says something like, I would try. Yeah. Um, I th- I'm trying to think of the exact line from Jim Gordon. He says, I'll try, but I'm not sure whether it'll work. And because he says that, that's why this version of Lee Tompkins tosses the baby to the ground. But I know it's a baby. I know it's not a real baby. Obviously, I know it's a prop. But I did think it was quite shocking. It's just yeah, something you don't time. see on TV. Yeah. You know, this is a, this is a show that takes place between eight o'clock and nine o'clock, and even seven o'clock in some in some places in the US. But you know, they, they do things like you know they they operate on Jim Gordon without his sh- with his shirt still on because well, you can't show a man with his shirt off at that time of the night, but you can show a woman throwing a baby to the ground and a ten year old, eleven year old kid <laughs> throwing the switch for an electric chair. I know How that did was sw- explain that to his parents. Like you know, bring Will Thomas back, right? We're going to get him to be the one to flick the switch to an electric chair, killing Jim Gordon. But in some states, don't they do a lottery? For- uh, not for ten year olds. I think you have to be at least over eighteen uh, okay. to flick the switch on the electric chair. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> but no, I. I did think this was a shocking moment. We didn't mention it on our video over on YouTube about the shocking moments of the episode because it is just that very minor, small moment with Leslie dropping the baby and with uh, Will flicking the switch that, that are shocking. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, well, literally shocking. I think so. the nice thing here as well with all this going on is that, you know, we're getting cutbacks uh, into the, the the real world, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I love the, the moments where it comes back to Leslie in the morgue at the GCPD trying to save him. You know, we, we get a little glimpse of, of uh, Harvey Bullock piecing together the bullets in, right next to Jim yeah. with the fragments that uh, Leslie's taken out of him. We have this really nice moment where she's really doubting herself. She's helping Jim out here. She still has these feelings for him. But he has now this unborn child uh, about to arrive with uh, Barbara who tried to kill her. She doesn't feel that she can have this baby and and work with Jim and Barbara to raise this child. She's lost her own child. You know, there's so many things in this mix. And I think Leslie Tompkins plays it uh, absolutely really phenomenally good. And I think that moment where Alfred then comforts her because of these misgivings, mm-hmm. all these different conflicting views. And he, he does it from his perspective of having to sort of embrace uh, bringing up Bruce after the death of Thomas and Martha, I thought was really, really nice. And dare I say it, within this household, a few tears were shed. Yeah, they were mine. <laughs> I have to say, I love Sean Pertwee. Always have. I think he's his delivery of lines like this of the relationship between himself and Bruce uh, are so strong. They yeah, absolutely. absolutely so well put together the lines that he's saying here about you know when i see him using a skill that i taught him or sharing a private joke that only the two of us know they're the best moments of my life i thought it's just a beautiful moment i know it's really funny in my head because i'm thinking leslie Tompkins probably going you know oh when he sees bruce making an omelet that he taught him how to to make when actually he's saying when i see him use a weapon or uh, punch (laughs) someone out and i know i taught him that you know i think that's really really interesting that you got that and it kind of adds so much to the character of alpha that's why he's so proud over the years 
years of Batman and of his Bruce Wayne because he got to teach him a lot of these skills. And when he sees Batman using them, he's so he's so happy that this is his this is his boy. This is his his man that he has helped to forge, I suppose. Which I think is just such a lovely sentiment from from Alfred. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think it, it's it's a really nice moment. And of course, Sean Pertwee's um, really great voice, mm-hmm. um, his Master Chef voice, if you will, um, is is just on fine fine form. <laughs> Not as good as when he described how to make the uh, cheese sandwich a couple of weeks ago. No, it was exactly. definitely his Master Chef voice. Definitely. <laughs> uh, on to case note number three. From, yes, from yes. a lot of beatings for Jim Gordon, from all of this moment where he's beating himself down and when he's getting electrocuted. Let's go on to the fun one, really. The the, the most <laughs> fun character you can put in any episode, really. Every episode that he's appeared in this season, both of them, at least. Anthony Carrigan playing Zaz, but this time, lovesick Zaz and Poison Ivy. The whole storyline around the two of them is so much fun in this episode. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Victor Zaz, you know... Okay, Corral shooting his way through all of the GCPD to yeah. get to Jim uh, because he has effectively come to finish the job off that Poison Ivy has um, spellbound him to to do. You know, he's lovesick. He he's got notions of um, little Zazes and Zazettes and little Ivies uh, all boinging around um, the. You know, the, the park in central Gotham. Uh, <laughs> all these little offsprings of Poison Ivy and, and Victor Zaz all together. He's on a mission to do it for Poison Ivy. Yeah. Uh, I love this. And, and we see, you know, the power of this spell uh, and control that Poison Ivy can have as well on Lucius and Bruce. But for, for Victor Zaz, he's completely loved up. He's lovesick um, and he will do anything to, to gain the the affection of poison ivy yeah i I was a little bit uh, confused by that scene as he walks up because there's so many uh, gcpd cars with all the uh, the police waiting there and shooting at zaz as he shoots back at them i couldn't work out whether bullock has just worked out that it's victor's ass had he sent them all out to get victor's ass and victor's ass was shooting back against them or was this victor's ass on his own off his own back arriving at the gcpd um, particularly because Alfred comes out and punches him and then they take him to the GCPD. So I know that that was his target. I'm not sure whether it was the GCPD going out or whether it was Victor Zaz coming to them, if that makes sense. There just seemed to be so many of them there. Yeah, I mean, for me, I thought it was Victor Zaz coming to the GCPD because mm. th- there were a lot of cars there. You know, Bruce and Alfred have been around the GCPD. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, it was him going to finish the job off uh, with Jim um, because... You know, we we kind of get that later where Ivy's also come to finish yes. off the job, and he feels like you know, is he going to get killed or or not? Yeah. And uh, that's a really nice moment where he's he's in chains at the GCPD. But yeah, you're probably right. It must be Victor's as coming to the GCPD because it is Alfred that comes out and gets him, and Alfred is staying there while Bruce is off uh, having his date with uh, with Selena. So uh, so we have that wonderful. Oi oi moment from uh, from Alfred as he uh, punches Zaz to the ground and then kicks him in the face when he realizes he's there for Jim Gordon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nice moment, yeah. Really good. And you know, Bullock gets the fist on again mm-hmm. uh, and a headbutt and a punch by Harvey Bullock to uh, Victor Zaz in chains as he's really trying to find out um who has ordered Zaz to do it. Bullock thinks it's just another contract killing yeah. that Zaz is involved with uh, until he realizes that maybe Zaz isn't behaving the way he normally would do uh, and certainly i love 
how <laughs> he he won't say her name because he knows that he can't do because of the spell. Yeah. And in the end, it's like he's talking about plants, and so it is. Oh, it's 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 uh, poison ivy. It's ivy pepper, and he's like, oh, ivy pepper, ivy pepper. Ivy Pepper, and he just keeps repeating the name. And then to the point where he goes, how about Ivy Pepper Zaz? That has a really nice ring <laughs> to it. Again, thinking of little mini Zazettes uh, all being born and, and boinging around. I love it, I love it. And I did mention it earlier on, I love, as we get, the arrival of Ivy Pepper, where she comes in and rubs him across the head, <laughs> showing him some affection <laughs> to, to keep him in line. That also, also, that great moment when he's talking to Jeff, I think it is, the GCPD officer, <laughs> Poor Jeff. Uh, saying to him, don't worry, someday you'll meet someone and the rest of your life will be perfect. You deserve it. It'll be wonderful. And then Jeff gets shot in the head by another member of the GCPD <laughs> falling Poor to the Jeff. ground. Maybe not. Yes. <laughs> no. But ultimately, Zaz goes out to cause a distraction whilst Ivy heads to the morgue to finish the job. Um, and you get a great moment. Again, He's in full view. I don't know how he doesn't get shot, but he's firing away guns, handguns, machine guns, shotguns, you name it. Mm -hmm. He's firing them at all the GCPD. And it's Harvey in that bomb suit, that Kevlar bomb suit that we know and love from the Riddler. Uh It manages to take him down really um, just so good because, I mean, Harvey in a bomb suit is really funny. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially, <laughs> really good. you know, it's a brand new look for Harvey. We haven't seen yeah. him in anything other than the trench coat and hat for so many years. But that's <laughs> it. It's proper action packed. It's uh-huh. like, I'm surprised Harvey would change to get that pumped in order to take down uh, Victor's ass. <laughs> I love it. But you do hear from Victor's ass going, oh, don't worry. I'm not going to kill any of you. I'm just here to cause a distraction so that <laughs> Ivy can go in and kill Jim. He's basically, the reason why he doesn't get shot is because he's using his guns just to keep down anybody who's about to shoot at him. That's all it is. And it's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yes, maybe Ivy, you've got too much control. Um, mm. They have absolutely no thinking uh, for themselves. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, really, really, really interesting. And again, we have this fight with uh, with Poison Ivy and uh, Leslie Tompkins when Poison Ivy does get in to the room with Jim Gordon. We have a nice battle between the two of them, I think. And if you think back to like season one where we had that Barbara-Leslie Tompkins fight uh, that we just laughed at how bad the fight was, <laughs> think of how far the show has come now when we see Ivy versus... Leslie Tompkins, this really strong version of Leslie Tompkins, who wins in the end. Yeah, definitely. Or Um, does she? Because Ivy does get her hands on the adrenaline that's supposed to be there to save Jim Gordon, smashes on the ground and says to her, you're going to feel much more pain than I will ever feel after this. Nice line from from Ivy. Yeah, really good line. Yes, I presume Ivy will survive. I'm Mm -hmm. sure there will be plant-based magic that uh, plugs that wound. I'm sure. uh, Or a plaster. Yeah, or a plaster that (laughs) Lee Tompkins has given. Yeah, again, I think this is really nice where, you know, you're cutting between uh, Jim in the hallucination with his trial, uh, his impending death, Mm -hmm. whilst he's continuing to bleed out and all this craziness going on at the GCPD all orchestrated by Ivy, who is trying to do exactly the opposite of Jim Gordon. That's why she's after him. She doesn't want Gotham to be reunited because from her stronghold in the park, in the central park of Gotham, she wants to create her plant-topia. Exactly. uh, Where, you know, she recasts Gotham in a green plant-based image and, and humans are... Remember the manure for those plants like we saw um, earlier on in this season with the burn the witch moment, Mm -hmm. you know? So, again, this is it's really good, but I like how 
the you know fends her off basically and, and sends her packing really. Mm-hmm. So really nice moment here. I think on to case note number four because we also have another two people and um, spellbound by poison ivy. Well, yes, um, but definitely we want to bring in the big moment at the beginning of the episode. We finally get a date here, I think. Maybe, kind of, possibly. Yeah, between Selena and Bruce. Um, I think it's a lovely moment, really. I think it is the best canned dinner date ever. I mean, (laughs) you have those. um, You have those really uh, interesting ads. I think the joke ads basically were: you can get, you know, your Christmas dinner in a can, and it's just kind of like layers in one can of like potato, turkey, carrot, Brussels sprouts. Christmas pudding, oh. smoked salmon, and all that. And uh, it's just really funny. Okay, I've never tasted Christmas dinner in a can, but I know I've had bangers and mash from a can. Yeah, and awful. you can get spotted and dick pull- from a can as well, that, that sponge pudding. Right. You can get chocolate pudding from a can. But with the dinner ones, you pull you pull the ring pull on it, and it heats up the inside of the can. Oh, it's for like a the coffee. It's awful it sounds grim it's really pretty awful. grim yeah. and the other one you can get is like a an english breakfast in, yeah. in a can as yeah. well again as, i don't know whether I it's jokey no 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 it's not absolutely true but it's just the grimmest possible thing ever but it is the best can dinner that um cat and bruce have ever eaten yes in these opulent surroundings yeah. being oogled by uh poison ivy uh, from afar um, but she lets them eat the canned dinner. It, it is a bit of a weird one, isn't it? It does feel like she's there for about 45 minutes while they're having their dinner and having this conversation <laughs> uh, about Bruce leaving Gotham City because he feels like, once similar to Jim, he feels like all the things that he's done and recounts a bunch of them, uh, of all the things that happened over the seasons with the Court of Elves and with Rachel Ghoul and all of those types of things that have that have gone on because of Bruce's choices, putting the city of Gotham in danger. And we have the reaction from Selina going... Oh, please don't leave because this is your home kind of thing. So it does come back later on in the episode. But uh, I really like that they have this conversation. And that's when we have Poison Ivy coming in after watching them from afar for 45 minutes. Yeah, and she sends the mutant leader who we saw um, Selena take down earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. She sends him after Selena. Yeah, the, the, the love has definitely been lost between Selena and uh, Ivy Pepper, yeah. uh, as she sends this hulking great big dude after it, but she does manage to uh, get a few scratches in, a few, you know, get a bit of blood uh, done. The whipping, excellent stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that the first she's time really she, good. Yeah, I like that the first time that she throws the whip at him, he grabs it and puts her on the floor because we didn't really see him him have a winning moment in the fight the first time so you kind of need to see that he is quite powerful still even though that yeah, she's a great fighter um but and also here we, we did get a theory right john this is where bruce is living this area is where bruce is living the area where the mutants were were running the streets they were saying that all the rich people in gotham had left quickest so all of these houses were empty but it seems like bruce is actually living in this area we made that theory earlier on in the season so uh, this may not be his particular house it seems like they were breaking into it according to selena but uh, but definitely he does have a, a residence in the area exactly but from the best can dinner ever eaten to the best eau de toilette or cologne uh, used ever uh, according to bruce um the, the 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 whiff of scent that poison ivy gives uh, in order to spellbind uh, him to her will and to her plan uh, and that he uses on lucius is um really 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 nice <laughs> he and he wants to introduce lucius to this whole new 
Um, smell sensation. Yes, yeah. I have to say, David Mazzusa's performance in this scene, along with Chris Chalk's performance as Lucius Fox, the two of them together are so good. You haven't seen the two of them on screen alone for quite a long time, but having uh, the conversation about the water treatment plant, you know, Bruce comes in and goes, how's it going? And gets this whole scientific degree from uh, from, <laughs> from the uh, course of Lucius Fox telling him how they're treating all the water. And the face on him, when he's reacting or not reacting at all to the to the response from Lucius, it's kind of like he said it went well. Okay, that's my cue from Poison Ivy is to then spray him in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really <laughs> good. I'm trying to save all the people here, and and David with his people uh, <laughs> a response from Lucius. So with good. The, Did you just say people? Uh, um, you know, yeah, really good. Really that was good an abrupt change of topic. Yeah. Really nice comedy moment here between these two, mm-hmm. and I love the this kind of Laurel and Hardy esque team up that you get between the two as they shut down the treatment plant in order to reverse and destroy all the filters and all the good work that they've been doing, again, to try and stop the reunification um, and to reintroduce the chemicals back around Gotham. So really nice. And, of course, it's saved by the cat because it is Selina Kyle that comes to save uh, both Bruce and Gotham. Uh, she gives Bruce a good old uh, batter around the face to to get him out of that um, poison ivy vibe, I yes, suppose. the poison ivy funk. Yes, it seems like the cure for everything is punch it. <laughs> or kick it in the face like she does to Lucius, which is another great moment. I feel like we have seen a fair bit of, uh, of Selena Kyle fighting this season, but we know from uh, background stuff that unfortunately... Um, Cameron Bicandova had broken her leg before this this filming of the first part of the season. So a lot of the time she was on crutches and couldn't do any of the even intro moves to her yeah. fights. I'm not sure. It felt like in this scene where she uh, jumped up on the table and then put the kick into Lucia's face. That felt like it was a, a Cameron Bicandova move, not her um, not her stunt double, uh, who does most of the fighting moves. Um, so hopefully she was on the mend by the time this episode came around. Uh, and I did really like the reaction from uh, from Lucius again to getting kicked in the <laughs> face. Uh, did you notice that actually the the six bars behind uh, Lucius, which which are the going red, going red, yeah. And we saw that the it was the it was in the last bar, in the last of the sixth bar, when she kicks him in the face and he's able to push the button to stop everything from happening. So once again, another Batman down to the last second kind of save which is uh, saved by the cat exactly not by the bat a Catwoman moment yes of course of course uh wonderful though really really enjoyed these scenes um and always love lucius and bruce uh, teaming up in this show especially with selena kyle in there too let's get on to our final case now john and everyone lives happily ever after the wedding of jim and lee yes it was a special little moment actually i mean Maybe slightly on the verge of ultra cheesy, but I think we can forgive them yeah. here. You know, I know there's going to be criticism out there from other Gotham, Gotham fans or TV fans who aren't huge fans of Gotham seeing this episode because they are still in the middle of being cut off from the rest of the country, having problems with getting food and, and clean drinking water. And we have this moment of, and one month passed, and then we have a wedding in the GCPD, because like, what <laughs> yeah. happened during that month? What? Where's Jeremiah? Where's uh, Where's Echo? Where's all the bad guys trying to blow stuff up? Because a month passing in Gotham is like seven years of attacks normally in every other city. So, so what did go on during that month? But I think it was beautiful. I think we need to give a little bit of credit to the show to say, look... 
you're on your final season. Everybody knows it's Absolutely. finishing up in the next couple of episodes. So we ha- let's have a nice happy moment. If they can't do it now, when can they do it? And exactly. I, I thought it was a real special moment because I think, uh, you know, you had Harvey Bullock, uh, you had Jim and Lee all reuniting. You have Lucius and Alfred. You've got um, Kat and the bat, the proto-bat. You know, you've got Bruce and Selina there. And, of course, with all this love being spread around, we get the... The, the bat and cat's kiss. Oh, so nice. Yeah. So nice. And, you know, I love that Selena wears her claws, claw-covered <laughs> yeah. gloves to a wedding. You know, hey, why not? Um, we have we have that moment between the two of them. We, have, we see it as a shared kiss, both of them really needing that moment from each other, I suppose. And then we get the reaction from Lucius and, uh, and Alfred directly in front of them, looking at them going, finally, like everybody else in the audience, finally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're kissing. It's starting their relationship off. Don't know whether we're going to see much more of that, whether we're going to have time to see any more of this character stuff for the rest of the season and the other three episodes. But what a great, what, some great stuff in here. I loved having Harvey Bullock delivering the service uh, as he gives his speech, like a best man speech to uh, to uh, Jim Gordon, where we hear him talking about, you know, when he came here first, he was an impressionable uh, young detective, a bit of a pain in the ass. And here we are five years later and now he's a pain in the ass and, but he's a captain you know yeah exactly <laughs> uh, nice stuff and then he, he goes on to uh, to Leslie Tompkins and says um, you've always had his back that's what love is except for that time that you were uh, under the touch virus <laughs> and tried to kill him but hey it's Gotham <laughs> isn't that just love here you know really like those moments between them and it felt like you know I think I think Sean Pershing put up a photograph of this moment this final moment that they filmed together on uh, on Twitter saying I couldn't attend the wedding of Ben McKenzie and uh, Miranda Bakarin but at least I was here for the second wedding that they had uh, you know so it did probably feel like something for all of the cast to rally around and be there for Ben McKenzie and Miranda Bakarin's actual wedding and one last thing I really loved on the on the speech from Harvey Bullock or the service that Harvey Bullock's giving is he ends it off with, and by the power vested in me by absolutely no one, I now prevent <laughs> man and wife. Because that means they're not actually married, right? He has no actual power to marry them, but they are marrying it in front of everybody else. Yeah, no, it's really, really good stuff. And of course, as with all good Gotham, um, whether this is happily ever after is still up in the air, you know, here, because we do have the Machiavellian Barbara Keane, Babs, you know, making plans that doesn't involve Jim about their unborn child. Mm-hmm. She is going to get off that rock and she's going to go laters to Lee and Jim. Yeah. So, again, this is a big moment because... Do you know, do you know I loved Robert Lord Taylor's performance in here yeah. when he's sitting there giggling away at the idea that effectively Barbara Keane did all of this work to get to put get all of the villains of Gotham to put down their arms just to impress Jim to show him that she's turned a corner and actually he's fallen back in love with Lee Tompkins and marries her yeah yeah. you know this is uh, a little bit of glee that's there from the penguin going you idiot how do you think you actually get back in the good graces with Jim Gordon yeah this is a woman scorned absolutely a little a little bit a little bit I think she's going okay again that obviously didn't work I'm out I think rather than she's not going to attack them she's not going to threaten Lee Tompkins again I think she just wants to get out of there now I'm done I've tried my best this guy's obviously not going to come after me now so uh, off I go with his child so uh, whenever I suppose that 
submarine being built by from scratch by Ed, uh, Ed Nigma gets finished. I love the, that conversation as well, where Penguin goes, well, how long do you think a submarine is going to take to build? <laughs> We're building it from scratch. It's not like a ready-to-go submarine. You know, Barbara getting more and more impatient uh, about getting off the Gotham Rock. Exactly, exactly. I'm taking the baby with her. That's it. That's it for our top five case notes for this episode. John, Gotham moments of the week. There's a few great moments in here. I think for me, it's Lucius and Bruce. Um, and I just think it's so funny. Um, I love yeah. Bruce Wayne's people. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, just the way it's delivered by Davian Mazus is really good. And Lucius as well. Just his quizzical look when um, he's wants to know more about the people. Ugh, and he yeah. gets the face full of uh, Ivy Spray. It's uh-huh. just... So nicely done. I love done. how the background melts behind him as well. Yeah. That's very, that. really cool. It, it, it's just really nicely done. But I think there are a few really good moments yeah, uh, for me, of the week in this episode. Yeah. I think there are a few really good moments of the week uh, as well in this episode. Yeah, and obviously, if anything makes me shed a tear in an episode, I'm going to have to put that in for uh, for moment of the week. Alfred and Lee's discussion uh, about being an unwanted... Alfred and Lee's discussion about becoming a parent, even though you may not want to, I think was just a lovely, uh, a lovely sentiment from from Alfred that was really, really enjoyable. Gotham character of the week, really no doubt here. There's so many great characters and so many great performances, but it has to be a one-off character that's coming into the show. Uh, Zaz coming back for this episode, kind of have to give him character of the week, regardless of any new characters we saw in here or any old characters returning. It has to be Zaz's episode. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, just so much fun. And he has such a great time on set. You can see it. He's doing another show called Barry. That's why he's not featured as a main character this season. Uh, that that show is doing really, really well. Just got commissioned for the second season as well. Um, so having him back on the show for another episode this season was something that was always a little bit unlikely. So great to have him back over for uh, for this final experience with our favorite Victor's as John, let's get on to our final bit of this episode. How would you rate this episode of Gotham, Season 5, Episode 9, The Trial of Jim Gordon. I would give this four spellbound Zazes and Zazettes out of five. Uh, I really, really enjoyed um, this episode. Mm-hmm. I think to have Victor Zaz back, I think to have Jim Gordon's trial and tribulations uh, laid bare here it is a really nice touch. And I, I love the fact that, you know... Whilst he is going through those trials and tribulations, you have Lee Tompkins going through them on the other side of his hallucination Mm -hmm. in reality. On the other side of that hallucination in reality, Mm -hmm. you know, she is having to deal with trying to keep him alive, sort out herself out about the misgivings she has, you know, this idea of looking after a child that him and Barbara had. Really nice stuff. I think Lucius... Bruce and Victor Zaz, all under the influence of uh, Poison Ivy, is just so, so good. Really funny. uh, Really funny moments in in Gotham. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, bringing Ivy back is is a nice touch. And I like the fact that she's doing it to thwart Jim's plan here, which is reunification. She wants a different Gotham for herself and her plants. So this, this was a nice little episode. And I think, you know, if you can't have a soppy, gooey wedding at the end after five seasons mm-hmm. with all the love that this cast seemed to have, that you can put it 
on screen in that way when can you so i really absolutely. thought the ending was superb absolutely and, and having heroic cat in there as well exactly heroic, heroic selena always good uh, yeah really really enjoyed this episode overall uh, as i say it did feel like ben mckenzie may have been going around thinking about all of his time on the show seeing some of the old costumes uh, seeing the wonderful set for the gcpd i remember when we saw the first shots of that it was released about a month before the first episode was out and how vast that set is he used every single inch of the set uh, in, throughout this episode with everything all the flashbacks everything that was going on in his mind was all contained within that one set as well so really cool uh, really really enjoyed it I must say and you know hey look we're getting three more episodes uh, of this wonderful show as you say John why not have a nice sentimental one for all of the fans out there really enjoyed it yeah exactly on to some Gotham feedback we just have a small bit of feedback over on our Facebook page from Terry Miller who says so how long more do you think Lee will live? Well, exactly, Terry. It is certainly something that seems to be being uh, built up only to be dragged down, possibly by Barbara, possibly by Jeremiah. Who knows? Or we know that Lee can certainly look after herself. She was the queen of the Narrows. So let's just see. Um, I think she's a bit of a survivor, is old Lee Tompkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she may uh, do better than we think. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Really good. Thanks so much for that, Terry. Yeah, thank you so much, Terry. Yes, we have some more feedback in through from Claire Payne. Claire says, Keeping writing and directing in the Gotham family has been a real treat to watch. The trial of Jim Gordon certainly brought a complex of truths and emotions to the forefront. Again, Gotham do their hallucinogenic dream sequences really well, and it's a good way for Jim to reflect on his choices he has made. Mm -hmm. It would have been good to have seen Harvey Dent back to do the prosecution, but it's all about Jim's conscience. So this worked perfectly. The judge, I think, would have been fantastic if Don Carmine Falcone had returned to play that role, considering their rocky history. Ooh, I like that. But what a happy romantic ending. I've always loved Jim and Lee as a couple, Harvey was perfect to marry them, and this was another episode where Harvey stood out and wasn't afraid to be the truth out of whoever had shot Jim. Harvey in that bomb disposal suit was fantastic. <laughs> Harvey's never been afraid to beat the truth out of anybody, <laughs> Absolutely. has he? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but he certainly did like a good old uh, beat down here. Mm-hmm. Um, Claire carries on and says, Favourite scene for me of the episode has to be the conversation between Alfred and Lee. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, she says, It's very poignant moment, but so true and relatable to real life, and it was so nice for Alfred to share an experience of his life with someone. Mm-hmm. Character of the episode, a difficult one, as Zaz was brilliant. Yes. But I think the return of Ivy Pepper and how quickly she gets to people is always fascinating to watch. <laughs> very true. It's like she walks down the street and is just surrounded by a, a, this gaseous, loving uh, <laughs> eminence coming from her, and just everybody's taken, and yeah. everybody from the mutant leader, who you don't think would have let her pass by or spray him in the face even you know uh, all the way to obviously having bruce having her essence with him to be able to convince lucius to help them as well you know it's it's so interesting that now it's not just her being involved in it it's loads of other people going out and doing her missions all around the city a cool idea because this is the ivy pepper from the comics the poison ivy from the comics that we've got all the way here now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a really great moment as well between Alfred and Lee, um, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and I think it was 
Um, it was a really good episode, and I think given these were you know part of the two extra ones, then it's a shame we couldn't get Harvey Dent back, as you said, you know, something that Derek has mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a really nice idea on Don Carmine Falcone as the judge. I think that would have been uh, nice for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much, Claire, for that feedback. Uh, really good of you to send it in, and yeah, um, the direction and writing being kept within the Gotham family really does um lend an, an air of um something just special it's about just the episode sweet, yeah, yeah. Really, exactly. really sweet to do i know they do it in a lot of other shows as well but really cool to have it here uh, also we, we know and we haven't mentioned it in quite a while actually but we know that lee and alfred have got a history uh, in the animated series they've had a relationship and, and in some of the comic books they talk about that a little bit as well so uh, so we do know that they are connected so nice to, that it's them that has their moment a lot of these moments only coming out because we had these two episodes but really cool thanks so much for that claire also, Teresa Z Photos put in some feedback to us over on uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, she says, I agree with you guys. The wedding seemed a bit too daytime soap for me. But as you said, it might mean the end for Leslie Tompkins, freeing up Jim for Babs and their baby. Uh, loved watching Zaz, a favorite moment, even if temporary. <laughs> like, absolutely great to see Zaz. As always, he just absolutely steals every minute of the show. I'm still not too sure if Jim would go crawling back to Babs if Lee dies. You know, they might do that yeah. thing where... The two of them are completely separate, and then in 10 years' time, when they do that final episode, maybe they're together, and that's part of the explanation for the 10-year time jump, to kind of go, well, you know, we wouldn't be together except for this uh, this tragedy of a situation. But I can't see them getting together in real time before the end of the series, definitely. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, Zaz is just fantastic here, and definitely so much gooey nougat uh, going on here with that <laughs> wedding. Um, yeah. So good. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Teresa also said over at our Facebook group, uh, Harvey punching out Oswald twice was hilarious. Oswald moving away quickly from ha- Harvey to avoid getting hit. Again, absolutely love Robin and Donald together. Awesome to see them doing scenes together again. They never really got a huge amount of time where it's just Oswald and Harvey, but I love the interaction between these two. Donald Logue absolutely was my favorite actor coming into the show at the beginning. And Robin Lord Taylor is one of my favorite actors coming out of the show five seasons later. So seeing the two of them together on screen, always a treat. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Teresa, uh, for uh, all the feedback there. Really good to hear you. Um, and certainly with Harvey, um, yeah, he's always good for a good punch, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Thanks so much to everybody for their feedback for this week. We're coming into our last three episodes. So if you want to leave any feedback, please contact us through our website, Voicemail. Uh, you can go to gothamtvpodcast.com and leave up to 90 seconds of voicemail over on the right-hand side tab. Or you can send it in by email to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Otherwise, there is our Facebook group. Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast. Join us over there for sharing all the love uh, on Gotham. And of course, you can listen, subscribe and leave a review over on our podcast at any good podcast catcher just head on over to gothamtvpodcast.com to choose from any good or evil podcast catcher absolutely gotham's going on a little bit of a break at the moment if you want to hear some more podcasts from us pop on over to defenderstvpodcast.com we just finished covering the second season of the punisher but also out this week is the next mcu movie we've gone to see captain marvel in the cinema uh, the 21st movie in the marvel cinematic universe uh, come over and join us for our review of that and 
Well, go see it in the cinema first because it's going to be spoiler-filled anyway. But uh, I highly recommend going to see that in the cinema. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back with Gotham Season 5 Legend of the Dark Knight, Episode 10. I am Bane. Uh, Yes. What a lovely voice. That is terrible, John. (laughs) I know it is. But I think that episode comes out the 21st of March, so we'll be back just after that. A little bit of a break for everybody uh, to get over the wedding of uh, of Lee and Jim Gordon. And, of course, the back cat kiss. I think everybody needs a little bit of time to recover from all that love. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much, fellow Gothamites, for joining us. As always, it has been a pleasure. I'm going off to go... To people. Um, <laughs> and when I've done that, I will be back with you to speak with you next time, where we'll be talking all about Bane with his lovely voice. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> This is Andrew Sellen, Mr. Penn, and the Ventriloquist on Gotham. And this is Scarface. And you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Yeah, yeah. And you better keep listening, you hear?